And at the end of the day, we just want people to have accurate information and getting it straight from the farmer's mouth is the best place for that to happen. Welcome to the Future of Agriculture podcast, the show that explores the people, companies, and ideas that are shaping the future of agribusiness. Innovation, resourcefulness, and collaboration are essential for feeding a growing population, and we believe the agriculture industry is up for the challenge. Please welcome your host, Tim Hammerich. Howdy. Thank you so much for downloading another episode of the Future of Agriculture podcast. My name is Tim Hammerich. I'm an agribusiness recruiter and the founder of AgGrad. Hey, if you haven't heard, we are part of the Farm and Rural Ag Network. So if you want to listen to this as well as several other fantastic agricultural podcasts, make sure you subscribe to the Farm and Rural Ag Network or visit the website farmruralag.com. Well, I hope you've been enjoying this little mini series we've been up to uh, exploring agriculture education and looking at the future of agriculture from the literal sense of young people today are the future leaders, the future consumers, the future producers of agriculture, uh, and just taking a look at how can we engage with what's happening with youth and what uh, what's going to influence the future of our industry. This is a bit of a personal journey for me. I benefited greatly from agriculture education as um, a child and 4-H, a high schooler, an FFA, um, and beyond. So I am very thankful to those organizations and those programs. However, I will be the first to admit that as I've grown my career and grown my business, I have not stayed very directly involved. So it's a bit of a chance for me to sort of reconnect uh, in that way, but also for us just to look at it objectively to see what are we doing and why to connect uh, to the future of the agriculture industry, the youth of today. So I, I again, I hope you enjoyed it. Started with Stephen Rich and Hope Fleck, and and then you heard last week from the recent college graduate Michaela Sullivan with Kinasol. Uh, now here we are today. And we're going to talk to a couple of educators, two very different educators, and it's a bit new to have two guests on my podcast. Number one is going to be a high school ag teacher in a rural program. Uh, secondly, is going to be someone who coordinates city schools for an urban program in Nashville, Tennessee. So you get to see both uh, agriculture education from the ag literacy side, learning about where your food comes from and how it's grown, as well as the sort of workforce development side. You're going to hear those perspectives from both. So let me know what you think of having two guests on the show. I'm, I'm curious to hear your feedback. You can always do so at on Twitter, I'm at Tim Hamrich. So for starters here, we're going to go to Ogallala, Nebraska, a rural town in western Nebraska. My very good friend that I've known for several years, actually since we wore the blue FFA corduroy jackets, Seth Heinert. He's a high school ag teacher in Ogallala, Nebraska, uh, and I, I think you'll enjoy this little conversation with Seth. Yesterday, in fact, I was greeted by a girl waiting at my door um, with cow ovaries in a water bottle. And she said, we were spaying some heifers yesterday, and I just knew that you would want these. And so that was like the very first thing that happened uh, in my classroom yesterday. So uh, a little bit them? of a little bit of everything. <laughs> What'd you do with them? Uh, well, we, um, we, I just left him there, uh, on my desk for a little while, right next to my coffee mug. And then, um, when her class came in, she was fourth period agri-science. Um, when her class came in, of course, we had to put on rubber gloves and dissect them and, um, talk a little bit about, uh, you know, why you would say a heifer and things along those lines. It actually ended up being a, a pretty decent lesson. 
Well, you could tell uh, if, if you have students showing up with cow ovaries, you're probably not in like uh, downtown Chicago teaching ag. Well, where where are you? Uh, not quite. Yeah. So so I'm out in uh, out in Ogallala, Nebraska. Ogallala uh, is in the western part of the state of Nebraska. It's a town of about um, 4,800 people. Uh, if you've ever watched Lonesome Dove, uh, that it's featured there. Um, we're right next to Lake McConaughey, and uh, it, it's a nice little part of the world. So the program's just uh, in its second year here, and uh, so it's fun to uh, to try to, to grow and develop a program in an area that, um, you know, brands himself as the cowboy capital of the world, but for some reason um, didn't have an ag program for a lot of years. Uh, people were really hungry for it, and it has been a ton of fun. Uh, to get this thing off the ground here. And as you've been able to build this program from from scratch, uh, what's been your focus? Well, big picture wise, I think that one of the strengths of agricultural education is to get kids excited about agriculture. I think there's a lot of preconceived notions, even in a rural area like Nebraska, even in a rural area like Oklahoma, of what agriculture consists of. And so when you get them in there and, and expose them to a few different ideas that maybe they hadn't had about what agriculture is, then they uh, they start to, to reconceptualize uh, themselves in an agriculture career or in an agriculture um, vocation of some kind. So when I think about that and, you know, one of the big challenges facing the state of Nebraska and other areas like this is the net loss of young people. Um, they, they move either from rural areas to urban areas like Lincoln and Omaha or, or even worse out of state. And so uh, they call it the brain drain and there's lots of other buzzwords right now for it. And to me, I think agricultural education plays a huge role in getting kids engaged uh, in their rural communities. And so they go off and have their experiences uh, in college or, or whatever uh, trade school they want to go to and then come back and make a go of it um, right back here in Ogallala. So big picture wise, that's what I'm focusing on is setting up a program that gets kids engaged in their community and seeing themselves as young entrepreneurs that can come back and make go of it uh, right back here in Oglal. You've done something really smart in my mind as you think about, okay, if my goal is to uh, get students to to be trained for a productive and and well-paid job and we want them to come back to Oglala, then we need to kind of push entrepreneurship because if the jobs don't exist, they may have to create it for themselves. Can you talk a little That's bit right. more about what you've done in that in that regard? It, it's really, I'll, I'll be honest, Tim, it's just, it's just beginning. Like I say, it's a young program. Um, one of the first things, and to me, one of the most critical things we did was to form an advisory council. And so we have a cross-section of the community uh, that sits there and advises as to what the program really ought to do. And uh, so, so they're going to be the ones that help to advise um, of, uh, of, of mentors, of um, places that we can have uh, future business incubators and things along those lines. Um, there's really, because I think about entrepreneurship from like a, a full ecosystem standpoint. So you can't just, to me, you can't just teach a couple of classes and smatter on some entrepreneurship there if there's not going to be any support around the community for, uh, for the students to, to get going, you know, if they can't find land, if they can't find capital, if they can't find um, mentors uh, to support them um, even in high school, but, but more specifically when they come back from, you know, whatever wild adventures they're going to have in, in college or, or trade school or the military, whatever, um, then, 
you know, the things that I'm teaching them in class about entrepreneurship really aren't true. And so uh, part of this advisory council, and then there's kind of some other peripheral groups are, are really trying to develop an entrepreneurial ecosystem right here in, in Ogallala that are going to support these young people uh, to return. Then from the, the school classroom standpoint, you have specific classes that are going to focus on, on entrepreneurship. So um, after some input from our advisory council uh, within the ag business strand of things, which I'll talk more about the, the courses and the curriculum that we offer here, um, we're going to have uh, you know, a basis of an ag business class and then ag sales and entrepreneurship will be one of a semester-long class that we'll teach. And uh, we did something last fall where the students designed or uh, wrote a business plan. I'm not a big fan of that. Um, after going through that experience, um, the whole thing was really fake, and I don't like to do things that are, are fake. Um, so, like, uh, maybe take a look at a business prospect or something along those lines, a feasibility study. Mm-hmm. To me, that's a more realistic thing that a student might be able to do um, at the high school level because long-term, maybe that gets them thinking that this really is a viable business that I could come back uh, and run, or if it's somebody that already is connected to a business, uh, then it's a, it's a branch off um, from what, what's currently existing. Um, or maybe it gets them thinking about taking over a small business that um, is currently existing in Ogallala. A lot of times in career and technical education, this could be critical of, of our discipline we prepare students to go work for somebody else. And there's not anything wrong with that. That's the vast majority of, uh, of workers, you know, of, of the of population here in the United States, somebody that's working for somebody else. But it's a subtle shift to start to have a conversation with somebody about the idea that you could go and work for yourself and be in business for yourself. And so, uh, so from a core standpoint, it's getting into that mindset and uh, like I say, we'll, we'll try to do that specifically through this entrepreneurship and sales course um, that we'll offer in the spring. And then that hopefully will be coupled with a, kind of a, a greater ecosystem that's being formed at the same time around Ogallala. I, I love that. I mean, I, I think one of the messages I always try to, to put forth on this podcast is that you know, agriculture is Agriculture exists to solve problems, and that those problems could be food, shelter, and clothing. Those problems could be economic. Uh, you know, those problems could be social issues. And uh, you are you are utilizing a brand new ag ed high school program in Oglala to try to change the the economic status uh, of the area. And I think that's awesome. I mean, obviously, it's a long term view. It's a it's a big right. vision, yeah. but I just I mean, I think that's awesome. You mentioned your coursework. Why don't you tell us what, what courses do you teach? Sure. So uh, agricultural education, uh, you know, folks that may be familiar with Ag Ed from uh, 40 or 50 years ago, remember Ag 1, 2, 3, 4. They may have even remembered it as, as voc ag or vocational agriculture. It's not that anymore. Uh, there was a big shift in the 1980s to focus more on the science. And then lately the conversation is around what's called career pathways and without boring you too much um, with that kind of stuff. That's where we are right now. So you're you're preparing a student for um, a pathway that would ultimately lead, hopefully, to a career. So you might hear courses that would remind you of um, of college uh, types of, of class names. So I teach four pathways. I have um, uh, courses that are generally related to plants, animals, business, and natural resources. So students begin uh, their freshman year with an agribus- with a uh, agri-science course, 
And then if they want to go down the path, down the um, business route, they'll either take ag business, uh, leadership, or the uh, entrepreneurship and sales course that I talked about. If they want to go down the plant route, they'll take plant science and horticulture or agronomy as the capstone course for that, which kind of makes sense um, given the, the um, geography of where we are. Uh, within the plant or within the animals uh, system, we have animal science as kind of the, um, the basis, and then it's large animal management and vet science are the two capstone courses for that. And then within natural resources, it's natural resources and then wildlife management is the capstone course for that. Uh, so I moved to a semesterized basis for all of those in order to get uh, so many courses in. Very cool. And so you are one teacher program, uh, basically trying to hold all this together. And then for those who aren't familiar with high school ag education, uh, there's this whole two components that are outside of the classroom. Can you talk more about that? Because some of our listeners uh, weren't ever in high school ag. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so that's that's the classroom component of things. You're, you're offering, uh, you know, formal instruction uh, in those particular areas. Then that's coupled with uh, a leadership element uh, through uh, a, a nonprofit called um, FFA, or what people usually know as Future Farmers of America. It's now just the National FFA organization. So I'm the, advi- the, the FFA advisor. So tomorrow, for example, I'll take my chapter officers uh, to a leadership training, and then uh, they'll, they'll serve their fellow um, members over the course of the next year in a variety of leadership activities and competitions and things along those lines that reinforce uh, what we're teaching in the classroom setting. And then the third component is uh, what's generally known as Supervised Agriculture Experience, or SAE, and that's a student's individualized uh, program or project that, they, um, that they're doing independently. So, uh, for example, um, the traditional model would be that um, maybe some students have, maybe a student has uh, their own herd of cattle or their own... Um, their own piece of land that they're farming, uh, that would be a, a, a traditional um, type of an approach. Uh, today, you have students that are doing independent uh, research, students that are working for uh, businesses and doing internships, or maybe just doing a job shadow. All of it is with the notion that you're getting individualized experience. So the three work together. You get classroom instruction that's, m- that's more like what you would normally understand in, uh, in a high school um, classroom setting, uh, you get this individualized project or program that you call um, that it's based on what you're interested in and what you, resources you have available. And then uh, then you bring it together in a network uh, and reinforce it with leadership and, and uh, the competition element um, through FFA. And uh, it's, it's a really, it's a nice package uh, if the student uh, chooses to do all three of those elements. To give everybody listening an idea, so yesterday he told you he was he he arrived to school f- with uh, cow ovaries wait, waiting for him. Uh, it's now after ten. In a water bottle. In a water <laughs> bottle. They really had to had to squeeze him to get him. <laughs> it's now after ten o'clock Central Time, and we're talking here. Tomorrow's his last day of school, and then he goes to an FFA camp for what three days, Seth? That's right. 
So the busy life of a high school ag teacher. Very cool, though. Uh, I might have caught you at just the right time or just the wrong time to ask this question. But what would you say is the hardest thing about teaching agriculture? Oh, um, I think anything that uh, for. OK, so for me right now, uh, personally, and everybody's going to answer this question differently. Um, I think one of the t- two things that I would say to that uh, one is that when you're really passionate about uh, the thing that you are teaching or doing, um, I guess sometimes I get frustrated uh, where, when you have to continually explain to students or to, uh, to other folks. Um, so what, why, why the FFA thing? Why the SAE thing? Why, why is the thing so involved? Can't I just come in and take a class? And uh, you just kind of want to think, just, just do it. <laughs> just try it me later and yeah. you're going to like it. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I personally, I guess should have gone to more sales classes and, and so that I can be a better salesperson on this deal. But those that are doing it, all three components of it are, it's, I mean, it really is life changing. And I don't think that that's, that's overstating uh, it at all. I, I believe uh, very strongly in, um, in this model, very strongly in, uh, in the FFA and, and the SAE components of things. Um, so that's one thing is I, I do get, uh, other teachers when they go, when they walk through the door, let's say you're a science or a math teacher or something along those lines and full respect for those guys, it's not a dig at them at all. Um, but unless you're coaching something, you just walk through the door and you teach your courses and then you walk home in the evening. And I have these other two components of things that I'm trying to, to juggle and believe in. Um, but getting people to, to buy into those sometimes uh, is a little bit frustrating. And the other thing, too, is that, you know, let's be honest, it, it's, there's a lot of hours that you put in, both because you're passionate about it and just because that's what the, what the job demands. And so, you know, I have two little kids at home and, and a wife, and so you're trying to, uh, to be a good family person, um, trying to be a, a member of, you know, a member of a church, member of your community, um, a member to uh, your, your greater family and things along those lines. And, uh, it, it all just, the, 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 the thing that, um, that goes at the end of the day is your time, you know, that's the, one of the big costs. And so I guess that is uh, also one of the challenges of this deal is that you, you do need to be prepared to, uh, to put in some hours for it. Um, so if you're not pretty passionate about it, uh, you know, then it might not be the thing for you, but that's by and large, the other ag teachers, I, I think, would probably echo that same thing. It's both a, a blessing and a curse because um, you, you you really love it uh, once you once you start uh, start down this path. Well, you can certainly hear the passion in Seth's voice that he has for the ag industry and for teaching his students. And I just think it's incredible how. There's just a clear connection in my mind between the work Seth is doing and people returning to rural areas, starting businesses and growing rural economies. Like to me, that has just such a clear outcome, like the work we're doing in agriculture education today through the classroom, through the uh, the projects and through the leadership skills in FFA is going straight back into students returning to those rural communities, investing, building businesses and, and causing them to thrive. But then the question comes up of, okay, yeah, I can see the connection in rural communities. That's obvious. Seth's doing some great work. Super. But what about all of these students that are in urban areas? And and you will hear from programs like FFA talk about how important it is for them to reach urban areas. And obviously, a lot of the ag literacy efforts focus on urban areas. So so what about them? Where's the clear outcome there? 
And for that reason, I wanted to bring on somebody who deals with that challenge day in and day out. And we have for you Beverly Flat. And Beverly is the program manager for the Academies of Nashville, which is a program by the Metro Nash- Nashville Public School System. And she has a unique perspective because for her, uh, ag literacy hits very close to home. She feels like she was sort of ag illiterate when she started down this path. Here is Beverly Flat. Um, I did not grow up on a farm. I was, in fact, one of the people who, when I started investigating the agricultural industry, I was extremely illiterate. Had you asked me what, um, where I find a pork chop, I would have told you it was on aisle 15 in the freezer section, but I couldn't have told you much beyond that. And so um, when I was in high school, I wanted to be a food scientist because I love to eat and I love trying new food. And I thought, what a wonderful career opportunity. That led me to join agricultural education, get involved in the National FFA organization, and the amount that I've learned about agriculture in just that short time frame has really opened my eyes to what an incredible industry this is. And I feel like any person who takes even just five minutes to try to understand what the agricultural industry is all about and what it takes to be a part of it will develop a love for agriculture as well. And at the end of the day, we just want people to... Um, have a a firm grasp on where their food comes from because that's such a personal journey for each and every person, what is going on their plates. Um, And we're excited to be a part of it. And we want people to feel comfortable with that knowledge and understanding. Cool. So so you got involved kind of from the food side, food science, and then into uh, FFA and ag education through that way. And now you are the program manager for the Academies of Nashville. What is that program? Absolutely. So the Academies of Nashville is the brand name for our zoned high schools in Nashville, Tennessee. So I work with an urban population of students. There's about 25,000 students who are involved in the Academies of Nashville. And what we do is we help students discover what their passions are for the future, and then we help them prepare for it. So um, in that In four specific cases, it's around agricultural education, but we work with students Um, who are interested in all sorts of career journeys from criminal justice to um, journalism to agriculture. So we have four ag programs in Nashville. Um, We have a veterinary science and urban agriculture, a plant and animal biotechnology, and then an alternative energy aspect. And so we're introducing these students who may not have much of a background in agriculture, um, and over the four years that we work with them, they come to become some of the most passionate people. Um, and I'm really excited to be a part of their lives early on because I know that they're going to change a lot of what the agricultural industry looks like over the next 10 years. And generally speaking, what gets them in the door? Why, why do they want to be a part of the program in the first place if they're not from that background? Well, we base all of our course offerings on what is needed in our region in 10 years, and then we backwards map. So, for instance, um, five years ago, the national community was showing um, interest in having alternative energy um, industries open in, in our region. We didn't have any sort of pipeline developed for that in the area, so we started creating these um, alternative energy courses And the courses that have become really interesting to the students are they're creating their own biodiesel and ethanol in school. Then they're traveling across the United States from Canada to Florida on biodiesel that they've distilled in class and teaching people along the way around solar energy and wind energy and hydroelectric energy. 
And so just giving students an experience and an opportunity to get involved in agriculture is often the only thing that we need to do to sell them on making this an industry and a passion for life. How does, for ag literacy, how does the funding side work? Is this funded locally or or is it funded more through some sort of national program? Um, A little bit of everything. So the Farm to School grant came from a USDA um, national grant. The agricultural education programs that we've started in our local high schools come from a combination of local funds and Title I funds and Carl Perkins dollars. Um, And then we have been able to engage around 360 business partners in Nashville who are um, committed to the future workforce of Nashville. And those business partners assist in providing opportunities for students to experience um, experience the career that they're considering going into. Um, for example, we have a local veterinary office who offers an opportunity for one high school junior to come and shadow her for the entire day and see what it's like to actually be a veterinarian because it's not all playing with puppies and kittens, and that's really eye-opening to a lot of the students who are beginning the phases of planning what their long-term goals are. Yeah. My, my wife's a veterinarian. And I think she would agree that is definitely not all playing with puppies and, <laughs> and kittens. Um, I won't go into any more detail there. If you want to be a veterinarian, have at it. Uh, so talk to me more. Uh, what, what age group is this, the students that you're serving? Uh, well, for my primary job, I'm serving high school students, ninth grade through 12th grade or around 14, 15 to 18 and 19 year olds on the farm to school side. We're serving um, pre-K and elementary school. So four and five to nine and 10 in Nashville. Okay. Where uh, have you noticed about them that excites them? I mean, I'm wondering like what gets someone who has no ag background, probably grew up in either urban or suburban Nashville area to say, you know, this is cool. I want to learn more about this. Well, from the kids that I've worked with, the thing that um, I feel like they've thought was the most interesting and the coolest factor is the amount of technology that is involved in agriculture. Um, Generally, people who don't come from an agriculture background still have this really romanticized view of what a farmer does and what it looks like. You know, you sit on a tractor and you're in the field all day and then you go and milk a cow by hand and you pick up eggs from the chicken and then you go home. And so um, having students out on our farm or being with them when they're working um, in an industrialized greenhouse or even when they're in in a veterinary science practice, the amount of technology that they are exposed to is something that really, really grabs their attention. It's something they're familiar with and it helps them understand just how advanced our industry is. Okay, talk to me about the future of ag literacy. What What's the biggest challenge that you see uh, when we talk ag literacy? I think the biggest challenge right now around any kind of literacy is the amount of fake news that is out there. There's a lot of alternative facts, just to throw around some of those um, cliches that have been in our culture lately. But it's very easy to go and be misinformed on the Internet. And we've moved away from being a society where we talk to a person face-to-face or go directly to the source of information, and we rely on um, on links that pop up in our social media feed or what's trending the most on Twitter. 
And so I think that the biggest challenge around agricultural literacy is making sure that people are getting information and um, accurate facts from the source. And I would encourage anyone to, at any point in time, talk to a local farmer, get on um, a Facebook page, because more and more farmers and producers are finding themselves on social media, so that way they can be a resource for people looking for this information. Um, and if you're listening to this from the farmer or producer side, I would say don't be shy about talking um, about what you do. Some of my most interesting and productive conversations that turn out to be around agricultural literacy have happened at my local gym because that's a place where people are thinking about their health and thinking about their nutrition. And when they find out that you're a farmer, they're all that more interested and want to talk about it. And you hear some of the craziest um, misnomers that they believe, and that's your open door to have a, have a great conversation with someone and introduce them to the world that you live day in and day out. Have you been able to see any any of the students, uh, and I don't know how, how closely you get to work with students on a day-to-day basis, but that have come from no interest in agriculture to actually pursuing a, a career in it? I actually um, have seen an incredible number of students who pursue that path. So one of the great things about Nashville is that we have some really progressive principals. And so one principal specifically at McGaddock High School took a leap of faith with us and said, um, that every student who starts their school, their education at McGavick High School, was going to take an agricultural education class. So in Tennessee, you have to take physical science and then biology, chemistry, and so on and so forth. Well, and, um, he replaced physical science your freshman year with agri-science. So now about 800 students every year who may not have had any agricultural exposure are taking agri-science during that first year of high school. And he's really excited about it because it means they're performing better on their biology scores the next year. But we've seen rise in interest in attending the agriculture classes and veterinary science program at McGavick High School. Very cool example there of how agriculture can solve actually an academic problem of how do we better prepare our students for uh, biology and we can combine the physical science with biology through agriculture. So I think that's kind of cool. Well, thank you very much to Beverly Flat for uh, being here on the show to talk to us about how agriculture is presented in an urban context. I would love to hear more ideas from you because one idea I just still feel like I don't have a great grasp on is if those urban centers become agriculturally literate. If those urban centers understand where agriculture comes from, how does the world look different? What is the transformation that we're going for in ag literacy? And I want to hear that answer from you. Hit me up on Twitter at Tim Hamrich. Let me hear from you because I'm, I'm really just trying to conceptualize all this. I know inherently it's good for people to understand and be connected to where their food comes from. I'm just curious about how you see the transformation happening if we get really, really, really good at this ag literacy thing. Thanks so much for staying all the way to the end. Two guests. What do you guys think? Is that something you want to see more often? Get another different perspective, kind of adds another dimension, or does it just not give us enough time to go deep enough in the issue? I'd love to hear your comments on that. I'd also love to hear your feedback on iTunes. Another great review here 
uh, this week, and this one comes from uh, Bradit Ag, which is B-R-A-D-O-T-T underscore Ag. It says, just what I was looking for. Keep it up. Excellent series of podcasts that cover a wide array of ag topics, urban to rural. Certainly got that here. Livestock and crops, future and technology. I have greatly enjoyed listening and hope there are many more to come. Hey, Brad at Ag, thank you so much for taking the 30 seconds or a minute to write that very nice review and rate us on iTunes. If you are listening and haven't done so yet, encourage you to do that. Head to iTunes, find the Future of Agriculture podcast. Take 30 seconds to leave us a rating and review. It really does help get the word out there. I love doing this, guys. I hope you're enjoying listening to these episodes and, and uh, the feedback helps me, but it isn't just an ego boost. I really would like to get the word out of these stories we're able to cover on this show. Thanks. We'll be back next week with one you won't want to miss about a film producer making a movie about a very much an agriculturally related topic and would love to have your involvement. So talk to you then. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Future of Agriculture podcast with Tim Hammerich. Visit aggrad.com, that's A-G-G-R-A-D.com today to get connected into careers in the agriculture industry. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.